I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. Today's guest breaks all kinds of stereotypes, assumptions, and the athlete status quo. Christy Brewer started weightlifting at the age of 35 after having her second baby. And after just two years in the sport, training by herself in her garage while juggling work and two kids, one of which is nonverbal autistic, Christy won a world title. And it all started simply because she wanted to lose those last 10 pregnancy pounds. But what she got instead was a new passion and a reignited drive to be the very best and go all the way to the top. Besides her quads of steel and her mom's superpowers, she's also passionate about time management and productivity. Christy says she thrives with organized chaos and has promised to teach me everything about time blocking and visual schedules, which me and my crazy crew could definitely benefit from. But before we get into this fun episode, please take a minute to subscribe and give us a five-star review. It means so much to me personally, but it also enables us to keep bringing on these amazing guests like Christy. And as my gift to you for listening today, I have a freebie that contains five smart strategies for confidence. Just go on over to laurawilkinson.com slash learn to snag it. All right. I believe that there is gold in your future. So let's dive on into this episode. Christy Brewer, welcome to the Pursuit of Gold podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited to talk to you, one of a fellow mom athlete. So yeah, lots to talk about. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, well, okay. So I've been stalking on Instagram for a while and I was just telling you <laughs> how like how much I just relate and connect to everything that you post. So I am so yeah, that's why I'm really excited about this one. But you have had a very untraditional kind of journey into the sport of weightlifting. And so I kind of want to hear where this came from, because I know you didn't really start getting the ball rolling till after your first baby was born. Like, did you grow up doing sports at all? Yeah. So like athleticism or more so just like competitiveness <laughs> is in my blood. And so I grew up playing the traditional sports. I grew up in a very small town. And so that's just kind of what everyone did. We, I played softball, soccer, trap. And then I picked up cheerleading later in life. And then through college, I played softball. So that was my youth. And then I thought, you graduate college, you get a career, married, have kids. And that was just kind of life's trajectory and the story. And so I kind of went through this like whole identity loss of once I stopped my athletic career and went into being, you know, career woman and a mom. And so, yeah, I didn't find weightlifting actually until my second child when I was 35. So wow. definitely started late. So did you have any experience with lifting like back when you were doing the other sports like softball in college? I'd imagine you did some weights then. Wow. I so wish I did. It just wasn't a thing. There was when I was a child. So I was born in 81. And so there was still this stigma of kids lifting, let alone women lifting, like we just didn't go in the gym. And even as a collegiate athlete, I was shocked that compared to today versus then, like that's just not something that we incorporated into our training. We didn't go to the weight room. And so it definitely was not something I was familiar with. I took a, like a PE class that incorporated weights. And so I had done squats, had no idea what, you know, like there was specific shoes or form and belts. So I had seen this or I'd done the squat. I had done power cleans, 
but I literally had no idea what the snatch was until 2014. Wow. See, we see. I, I was born in 77. And so I, I mean, we didn't really do them growing up either. But then when I got to college, we did go to the weight room, but we were pretty much thrown in with the swimmers. And I'm not a swimmer, I'm a diver. So we, we need completely different abilities <laughs> than swimmers, but we would be doing their weight program for a while. So yeah, weights has kind of been an, an up and down thing for me as well. So so how, how do you become a career woman? You have your second <laughs> baby and magically you start lifting weights. Like you've got to tell us the story. <laughs> Yeah, so I I dove in like straight into my career. I was so I'm a CPA and accountant and I got into this the largest firm in the world and I was like, "You know what? I'm going to be a partner." And so I just put like my nose to the grindstone and it worked. Goals, baby. Oh, <laughs> I'm just like one of those people that when I when I'm in, I'm in and I just want to do give it everything. And so I just worked a ton. And then I started having babies and I was just stretched super thin with all the work and all the time that very little children demand and also being frustrated, like losing that baby weight, (laughs) you know, it was just hard. I wanted to lose those extra 10 pounds, did not know how I hate running. I tried running. I hate it. It's not for me. I know it's great for a lot of people, but it just like, it makes my feet hurt. I don't like it. And so I ended up Googling, literally, I was like, what home workouts? And I had done P90X. Like, have you heard of Beachbody? Oh, yeah. I've done P90X. Oh, yeah. I, same thing. We had kids. We were like, how do we get in shape? <laughs> yeah. even, even having been a high level athlete, I'm still like, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah, I was so clueless. And so I did P90X. And then that led me to a Google search to find CrossFit. I found CrossFit in 2014. And that's when I was introduced to weightlifting. And it was just like this huge light bulb of, holy crap, like this fits me. Like, I love this. I love the intensity of it and also the monotonous of the training because I'm an accountant. I like to know exactly what I'm training for. And I like a a specific method where CrossFit was constantly varied. And that variety and having to train like 9 million things was frustrating to me when you would show up to a competition. And it was like, well, I didn't train for that. And now I have to all of a sudden be really good at something else. So did you did you compete in CrossFit? I did. I competed in CrossFit for 2014 and half of 2015 at the regional level. Okay. Did you like that? Did you like that? I did like it. I liked the intensity, but I didn't like that I didn't know what I was training for. You had to be good at everything. And I didn't have the time to invest because I was still juggling um, my kids and work. And so to get to that next level just required so much more than what I was wanting to invest. And so weightlifting also just fit my personality as well as my body type. Like I could get in, get it done. And I had control of my training. Well, so how did you discover the weightlifting side of it from CrossFit? Because I know you do a little bit with CrossFit, but like how did that kind of morph? So I wanted to go to the games. Uh (laughs) Like I wanted to go to the top. And so... To get to the next level, everyone was hiring these specialized coaches. There was gymnastics, you know, and weightlifting. And so I had heard of a weightlifting coach in the area, reached out, talked to him. And he's actually the one who just just kept nagging me. You're what you're a weightlifter, you're built more for weightlifting. Just do it, do it, do it. And so really it was him continually to nag me and telling me, like, you should be a weightlifter. And so ultimately I couldn't do both. 
I didn't have time to be good at both. And I didn't want to just be like mediocre. I wanted to be really good at one. And so, yeah, I just, it morphed into weightlifting and it's definitely gone from a hobby to something way more intense. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit like (laughs) now, but you, you lift in your garage. Like, did you do that right from the beginning or were you training in this coach's gym or how did that work? So I started weightlifting in California and I had, for the first year I had a coach in person. I trained with someone in person a couple of days a week when I was a super beginner. And then we moved back home to Idaho and it was kind of funny. I actually almost quit weightlifting because I was so terrified to be a remote athlete. And my coach told me like, you won't progress because you are so new to the sport and being remote is something that like, it's just not a good fit. And it was just so discouraging. I went through this really like lull of feeling like my career is over. Well, not even a career. I hadn't even started. It was like, it was over before it started and just huge discouragement. And finally just deciding, look, I love this. I want to do it. Let's just find, let's find a way to make it work. And so I started looking for coaches who had experience working with remote athletes. And yeah, I do train alone in my garage and I've been doing that for four of the five years that I've been an athlete. Wow. So how does that work? I mean, do you send videos to your coach? Do you guys do live sessions? Do you, does he just like tell you what to do and you do it? Like how, how does a remote, <laughs> I like, cause I, you know, for me, for diving, like it's, it's highly technical and we have to have the facilities. And so we always have to have a coach on hand, you know, even just insurance liabilities. So like we couldn't, I can kind of flip in my garage. That's about all I could do. So like how, how functionally does that work? Cause there, this is like fascinating to me. Yeah. I would say it's not ideal. In an ideal situation, I would be working with my coach every day. I would be getting instant feedback and the progress would potentially be faster. But on the flip, there's also the negative is when I was training with my coach, that coach became my brain and then I was no able, I was not thinking for myself and I didn't have the confidence in myself to perform those lifts. Interesting. Yeah. So when I became a remote athlete, I had to become more educated and confident in my own capabilities as well as someone said the best quote to me is that when you're on the platform, you're making those lifts. Like the coach is not making your lifts. So ultimately I had to trust myself that I could make these lifts without someone there telling me what to do and when to do it. But yeah, so the logistics of I send, I record all my lifts and then I'll send them, you know, the top ones or ones that I question And then my old coach, it was all like that. It was all just video recording. We would occasionally get on the phone and talk, but most of it was just over text or email. And then this new coach, I literally just started working with her on Monday. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, this is a new process to me, but was also part of um, what I wanted is that we do a virtual session once a week. So on Mondays. So you can get that instant feedback. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like it really, it truly does make a difference getting feedback instantly versus going your entire session. And I just potentially did all these reps practicing the wrong muscle memory. (laughs) Right. Right. I get that. I totally get that. Well, I love what you said too. My, My coach actually, he loves to say this, like, 
I can teach you everything that I know. I can even hold your hand all the way up to the 10 meter, but ultimately you have to go off by yourself. So it's kind of that same, same thing. And I, and I love that this is like, it, and you, and you're recognizing the fact that it has made you become more educated, become more confident in this process. You know, like that's, it's, it's nice when you can look back. I mean, in, in the middle of it, sometimes you don't always see it, but it, I love that you're already looking back and recognizing like what it's given you. That's so cool. Yeah. It's definitely been a growing experience. It was <laughs> learned by fire, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so how did, how did, when you first started competing with 2016, right? 2015 is when I found the sport October, 2015. So yeah, essentially 2016 is when the madness began. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how did that, like, were you, uh, yeah. How did, how did that first kind of competition go? Cause you were, what, how old were you at the time? 30, I was 35, 35. And so first competition in this new sport at 35, what does that feel like? So many jitters. <laughs> There's from so many, so many levels, jitters of knowing what you want to do, but yet being anxious because you're the beginner feeling like you're not good enough. So why am I here? Like everyone's so much better. I'll never get that far, you know, because there is this over this like cloud over your head of you're old. It's too late. Like you started to be late. And so there's all the feelings, but yet also being a beginner, I always say that you don't actually know what you don't know. And so you just do it. You don't know that oh, it's supposed to take you this long or this lift is supposed to be heavy. And so you just kind of having that naiveness is actually kind of a benefit because you just, you go in with more of the passion and you go for it without having the restrictions of your brain putting these limiting thoughts on your um, actions. I love that. I think that's a beauty to it because a lot of times when people have been in something for a really long time, they lose that passion. It becomes more of a job or more of like work and they, you just lose the heart sometimes. And, and that's a hard thing to sometimes get back. So I love that at 35, you're just starting to get that passion and that excitement. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, <loved it. laughs> I talked to um, a few weeks back, we had a bobsledder on Lauren Gibbs and she actually started bobsledding at 30, stood on the Olympic podium at 33. So I, I love, yes, no, I love that women are like breaking all kinds of barriers, shattering glass ceilings and like just showing the world that like just because you're in your 30s, your 40s doesn't mean life is over. Like you can start something new then and be awesome at it. You know, I love this. So from that first competition in 2016 to what, just a year later, you won the world master's title. Like how does that happen in a year? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a lot of it was once I got in, I was just passionate. The fire had been lit. I wanted to, I just had all these goals and I wanted to, like, it was exciting. I wanted to lift. I wanted to, I was eager and hungry to learn. So I was just drinking from the fire hose and, <laughs> you know, I just signed up for these competitions. I had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at the point of being a beginner, I had never been there. There was no expectations. Like no one knew who I was. And so I just went for it. Um, again, being like, not really knowing what that stage meant. I went out there and had fun. And I realized that through the variety of my different competitions and experiences, the ones that have been, that I've done the best at are the ones that I went in with to have fun versus this pressure of having to meet certain expectations or just all that pressure. I, there's a ton of pressure to perform. And ultimately, you know, that's what we're doing. We're performing under pressure, but if we're not actually enjoying it, it just becomes 
it's hard to dig when you're just when everything's just so heavy. Right. Well, where do you think your expectations come from? Is it stuff that you're placing on yourself or do you feel like from your coach or the community or because you're an older athlete, like where does the pressure come from or that those expectations come from for you? Or do you even recognize where it's coming from? A huge part of it is me. I know that I'm capable of way more than what is often executed. And so that's frustrating because I'm stronger and then being unable to put that together when it matters is frustrating, but it's also what makes me hungry because I know that there's more. I know that I'm not done and that it will come, but it's not necessarily on my timeline, which is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so uh, the biggest pressures are definitely self-inflicted. And as well as I do, I do believe that the more you get involved in the sport, then you, you feel these expectations from other people that most likely don't exist, but you feel like they do. And so you feel like you have to live up to this image. Isn't that amazing how we like almost just create that in our minds? Like these assumptions that someone out there has these thoughts and, and, you know, expectations of us when literally probably nobody does, you know, but like we, we have, it's amazing. We all do that, you know, and it's, it's funny when you sit down and like really think it out and it's like, all right, where's that really coming from? This is really me talking here. You know, it's not this magic group of people over here, you know, a lot of times because most people aren't as concerned with us as we are. So, but that's something really (laughs) easy. Easy to say, but hard to like take to heart, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So uh, tell me what that like winning that Masters World Championship title. What was that feeling like for you? So my first cha- World Championship title was in 2017. Oh, yes. Excuse me, because you've won two now, right? Yeah, I have. That's so awesome. 2017, I did chose to not. So I compete on two levels. There's the Masters level, which is those who are 35 and plus, And then I compete in the Open Division. And that is where I compete for Team USA internationally. Those are those who are qualifying. You know, the open division, there's no age requirement or other brackets. It's just open. Like if you meet the total, then that's, it's whoever gets to go. And so my first world championship title was in 2017, New Zealand. It was the farthest I had ever traveled, let alone traveled to compete. Yeah, that's a long way away. (laughs) (laughs) It was so far away. The time change was insane. And I actually, that is when I moved. So that was, I moved uh, just a few months prior to that. So that was in my transition period of becoming a remote athlete. And so I didn't actually have my coach there. It was the first time I'd competed with what I call a pick-me-up coach. So anyone who was willing to help me, I worked with. And so it was just a friend who coached me that day. There was so much going on. There's so many moving pieces. And to win, like I was just giddy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was, I had this idea that it was possible, but then for it to actually happen was just, you can't explain that feeling of just so like this joy, this intense joy (laughs) of what just happened and trying to soak that in because it's so fast. So yeah, it was a really cool experience and it's definitely something that I reflect back on a lot. So that was my first one. Oh man, that's so crazy. At, at that time, were you also competing open or just masters at the beginning there? I was still a masters. So that was 2017. I, well, I guess maybe this is a better question is what what led you to want to do the open also? Like, because if you just started with masters, what was that the point that you realized like maybe I could just compete open or how did that transition happen? Yeah, so once I 
had kind of reached the pinnacle of a master's level, like winning the master's world championship title, that's the top or a high level. I wouldn't say there's necessarily at the top. And so I wanted to go to the next level. And that next level was being able to compete, not on a national stage on the open division, but internationally also for the open division. And so I actually decided to cut a weight class. And so in weightlifting, uh, there's different weight classes that categorize. So because mass moves mass. And so in order to even out that playing field, you want to compete against those who are most closely related to your, your mass. Right. And so on the master's level, I competed a heavier weight class and then I cut weight to compete in the open division. And that's, I first decided to cut in 2018 to give me the opportunity to compete internationally. And that was like a whole new ballgame of the sport, not just weight training, but also taking my nutrition and recovery to a completely new level, which just made the sport become more part of my whole life rather than just like I do this for fun. It became much became much more of a focus of what I'm training for and my goals. Did you love that? Or was it just like, oh my gosh, what have I got myself into? <laughs> uh, I definitely think it's both. There's, there's days where it's a lot and it's intense and there's a ton of sacrifice of not just eating. Personally, I think that eating is very minuscule. I don't really mind not eating what everyone else is eating, but having to make sure I get the right rest and not worrying out my body. And, you know, for traveling and trying to, to now fit in the trainings versus, oh, no big deal of skipping those. But yet also, and why I keep coming back is because I love to be able to see what is possible. And I think that's just part of me proving to myself that you can do this. But also, I want to just show that we are so much more capable than what, like, we have this box. And I think that we believe that we all have to live within this box because this is the story we've been told. And I just really like to, like, just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean I can't do it. So let's just try. Let's go for it. It just hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. Right. It just means you might be the first one, right? Exactly. (laughs) I love that. Well, and I love this. Is, I, I'm kind of interested to, to talk about nutrition because I, I love you've posted some really funny reels and stuff <laughs> on this. And I, and I love it being a woman and a mom and all those things. I can totally relate to it. But I love you had this quote, I think the other day on one of your posts and it said, it's crazy to look back on where this all began. I just wanted to lose that 10 pounds of baby weight. Yet here I am now the same weight I was when I was nine months pregnant. Another confirmation that weight on the scale is insignificant in the bigger picture. And I love that. But like, how hard was it to wrap your mind around that as your body is changing, as you're growing muscle and you're cutting weight classes? Like how, yeah, as a woman, you know, and somebody who's who's starting a new sport and you have kids, like all of those things, like how do you mm-hmm. start to wrap your mind around that? Because I don't think that's an easy thing to change when you're <laughs> this. I mean, you get to a certain age and it's hard to change some of those preconceived notions and then, yep. you know, thoughts and beliefs about yourself that you've held for a very, very long time. Well. I'm 5'1", been thicker. And as a youth going through high school, you know, those, the dreaded BMI, I hate BMI. I've always been, according to BMI, I've been obese. And so I've always wanted to weigh 115 pounds, literally just a number out of the blue. It has no significance other than that was like a number that I thought was what I should weigh. And so 
that's the number I wanted to get to after I had lost, not lost, after I had had my babies, I wanted to lose the weight to get to 115 pounds just because like it, it wasn't a per se a healthy weight. And so this, it's this imaginary number. If I get here, I will be happy or I'll be healthy, but that's not true. Like it literally, that doesn't mean anything. And weightlifting it has been this huge, huge, huge mind shift of just how powerful a woman's body can be and how awesome muscle is. That fear of being bulky versus what muscle and mass can actually do on top of just movement. Like it has forced me to move my body in ways that I never thought possible. I'm so much more flexible. I don't have knee pain or back pain or aches. And so for me, I always laugh when someone's like, oh, like they rolled out of bed. My sister, who's 42, she rolled out of bed and she um, threw her back out. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's insane. Yeah, I get I get that a lot too. Yeah, because I'm in my 40s and everybody's like, oh, I can't even roll out of bed and you're here flipping. I'm like, I feel worse when I don't do stuff. Like, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been an incredible health benefit, but more so just on my mind of that the scale really doesn't matter. And then I want to show that how beneficial movement and strength training are. So I had like a DEXA scan done. What's What's that? It's a like a bone density scan. Oh, okay amongst a bunch of other things. And so they were most curious about masters, older lifters. And so the results came back that my bone density is that of essentially a 20 year old. Wow. Yeah. It's just shocking to see that huge benefit of weight training, which is something as a society, we're still scared of to push your body to these limits. We think that if we move as well as move weight, that we're breaking when in reality, we're actually building something that's going to be, have much more greater impact. Like I'm not going to throw my back out rolling out of it. Knock on wood. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I do love that. And I've I've heard a push for like older women to do more weight training and less cardiovascular because it helps with bone density. So that is like a new, yes, kind of mantra coming out there. So I love that like your body literally testifies to that. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That's really cool. Well, okay. So you also posted something kind of about, cause like we're in November right now, we're coming up on big holiday season yep. and you're like also trying to, you're like, there's a season for bulking and a season for cutting. And you're talking about having to cut right now during like the holidays and like the good and bad of that. And <laughs> so like kind of walk me through that and how do you, and I'm sure you have just a great plan. Like how do you stick to that plan during this time? Ultimately, it's realizing that if I don't stick to the plan, I won't compete. And so everything that I train for will be thrown out the window. Like, in my opinion, the absolute worst thing to going into a competition is not make weight because then you didn't even get the opportunity to try. Do you have to declare your weight class before? And if you don't mean it, you don't go or can you go up if you miss it? No, if you don't make it, you don't compete. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. So you register for a weight class. Okay. Gotcha. And once they do, like a few days before the actual competition, you can move your weight class. So there is an option. So I register months in advance and then say four or five days before the competition, I can change. And most people know essentially at that point if they're close. But for me, like I cut water. So I have to do what we call uh, boils 
to sweat off extra water weight. Oh, wow. And so you can literally not make weight by 100 grams. Oh, my goodness. Which is ridiculous, you know? But it happens. It happens all the time. And so to not make weight, as well as to put yourself through that misery, because the more you have to cut, the closer to the competition, the more miserable you feel. And it sucks. I've been there. And so to me, it's that commitment to that opportunity. And I'm not saying it's easy. It definitely sucks. But there's this mind shift. So, and I'll be totally honest, like I'm, so we're three weeks out, but it was about like five weeks that I finally was like, all right, you've got to do this now, or it's going to be too late. But what I should have been is I had a, should have had that mentality eight weeks so that it would have been like a slower, easier, um, yeah. easier, you know, cut. Yeah. And so it is hard to kind of, to flip that switch. And once that flip is switched, it's easy. Ultimately to me, that's what it comes down to is just that true commitment and saying it is a lot easier than doing it. And so going back to that post, there's two things, there's two flip sides to this during the holidays. It's definitely the season of indulging, you know, whether it's Halloween candy or Thanksgiving carbs. And then you go into Christmas, essentially there's this thrill, letting your goals go, you go and running rampant, the hustle. I hate like the holiday hustle. And so for me, I've been on both sides, but there's times of that guilt that I let three months of my life go. And now you hit this halt January 1st and it's like, holy crap. Now I have to make up for those three months just to get back to zero and then start again. And so I'm honestly not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions um, <laughs> because I hate that that you feel so much pressure to be and do something new when it should just be like this continuation. And so on the flip side, when I'm going through a cut during the holidays, I don't have to reset and I don't have to wait for January 1. I'm almost ahead of the game because I've taken those three months and stayed on top of where I wanted to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that I think a that's lot. actually great. Yeah. So that's, a lot of words. <laughs> that, no, that, that's really cool though. I like that. How do your girls feel about you like lifting and competing and, and what do, do they watch you a lot? Like I see, I see little videos of you guys all in the garage together. How does that play out? <laughs> yeah. I believe that there's both sides. There's two sides to every story and every, every opportunity <laughs> because they sacrifice too. They sacrifice whether it's when we're on vacation and I have to train and they're waiting or it's mom has to train. So like today I have a heavy day. And so they're going to go to my grandma and my mom and dad's so that I can train. And so there is this balancing act and they are part of that balancing act as well as they enjoy training with me in the gym. They enjoy going. I do take them when it's possible to competitions. And so they do enjoy those benefits, but ultimately every opportunity comes with sacrifice and we they sacrifice with me as well as I sacrifice for them. Like it's just give and take. And I genuinely love that they see me. It's not that I just could tell, like my sister's, not my sister, my daughter's in gymnastics and she's competing and she goes through hard times. She goes through frustrating times. And so rather than a mom going, giving her this inspirational speech, she sees me go through the exact same thing. She sees me cry and training because I'm so pissed. She sees me fell on the competition platform. She sees me fall short of 
these goals I have. And so for her to see someone actually do it, I believe that's a learning experience versus just hearing someone. And I love being that living example. Am I the perfect? No, I never be. But we can relate on a totally different level. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, and it's like do as I do, not as I say. You know, and I and I love yeah. that you are being the example. I think that's so cool. And I, I know you've said too, like your your fitness and health is continually continually evolving as you you know develop and you learn more as an athlete and mom. And and it looks different at each stage of your kids. And I know you have your younger one is um, nonverbal autistic, correct? Yes. And so that, I mean, that's challenging all in and of itself. Like, but how does that play in? Cause I know you've got lots of therapies with her and like, I, I know scheduling, like you are super, super schedule master, <laughs> which, so I have a goal for you at the end of this is you have to help me schedule my life because this is, I am not organized. <laughs> so yeah, please help me when we're done talking here. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's honestly like, I love, I, I'm a little OCD organized person. <laughs> Well, so yeah, how does that play in? Because I mean, you've, you're lifting, are you still working too? I work only part time. So when I worked corporate America, it was a lot 80 hours a week. It was intense. Oh, man. Yeah, it was total burnout. And so when we moved to Idaho, my husband had graduated medical school. And we came to the decision that he was going to work, I was going to take a step back because I wanted to become more involved in my daughter's life and her development. Because at the time we had a nanny. And it worked. It was what, you know, what we did in that, in that chapter of our life. But as she was getting older, I wanted to become more involved. And so ultimately I left corporate America to stay at home, to be more involved in the children's life, which has also allowed me to have more opportunity to train. So it was just this chapter and season that happened to play out and given me these opportunities. And so I am, I'm taking totally like total advantage. I I'm someone who believes that work will always be there. I am way more for experiences over money. So, you know. It's a good mindset, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a job will always be there. I can always work and we have enough for our means and that's good enough. So Right. Well, so how, and with your OCD scheduling though, you, you have to, because if you're working part-time, you're training full-time, you're homeschooling kids, you're taking kids <laughs> to therapy, like how, how does it all get done? Like, I mean, are you just juggling and, and hoping they all stay in the air? Or how, how does that, <laughs> how does that work? Yeah. So I have this system, it's called time blocking. So I essentially identify when I'm going to do what. And so I know my mornings are my I have a, I will, I call them blocks. And so I have a two hour block in the morning where I work and that's where I'm focused on my work. And then I will also block out time for my kids' school. And then I block out time for my training. And then I block out time for all of their extracurricular activities. My daughter, when we're in her intensive therapy schedule, it's actually upwards of 20 hours a week on, yeah, that's a job. Her life yeah. is a job. Yeah. And so it does. It's a, it's a ton of scheduling. And if you looked at my calendar, you would probably go crazy. <laughs> but putting it all on my calendar helps me see not what just what I need to do, but when. So it's very structured. And literally, every day is blocked out into work, training, family, and then basically just fitting that all in. And I don't. I don't have this crazy social life. I don't watch TV. And so there's this sacrifice of I could waste, not waste, to each their own. I could watch, you know, TV for two hours or I could spend those two hours training 
I could get two hours more extra of a sleep. So for me, it's just that I prefer to do other things versus what someone else may choose to fill their time with. Oh, that's really cool. Well, you're going to help me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will love to. I love it. I love helping people with their sleep. And then I also have another thing that helps our family a ton is I do visual schedules. And this is something I learned by having an autistic child and that is nonverbal, we have done a ton of different practices and therapies. And one of them has been behavior therapy. And in behavior therapy, we learned how to communicate in pictures. Well, I'm kind of mixing all this stuff together, but essentially we have visual schedules. And so my children know what to do when also. So my daughter, every morning she has, I lay out her day and she can see like in the morning, I have to do piano before I go to school and eat breakfast. And their days are also laid out because as a mom, think about it. How often are you like, put your shoes away, make sure you get dressed, put your backpack away. Like most of it is nagging, nagging things. (laughs) Broken record. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's just a broken record. But if I can just have it written down and they know where to go to look to see what they need to do and when, the less I have to just babysit them. So I'm trying to enable them and give them more self-independence while also freeing me to do, like to have more time to get productive work done versus nagging work done. Right. I'm I'm totally taking notes right now. I love this because <laughs> I could, we have four kids. So yeah, we, we need a little more, um, yeah, a little more ownership in what they're supposed to be doing. So I'll just be honest there. <laughs> Um, yeah. And it's all kids. It's actually, it's all human. I think even as adults, <laughs> yes. like if you have an hour of time and you're like, what should I do? Like you really, you should know what to do when and not have this time of like, okay, I have this hour. What should we do? Unless it's scheduled free time. And then it is, you know, okay, this is just the time to relax and do what I want. But yeah, our, our days are pretty structured, but that structure creates freedom. Yeah, I like that. Well, but I have to ask you on the flip side, when you have a structured hour of free time, do you not know what to do with yourself? I <laughs> I honestly usually spend my free time catching up on chores. <laughs> oh, come on. Okay, if you've got two hours of free time, then will you do something besides catching up on chores? Yeah, I do. I love to be outside because I work at home, I train at home, and we do school at home now. And so everything is at home kind of drives me crazy. I love to be outside. Uh-huh. And so we do every day make an effort to, you know, go outside. And on especially in the weekends, we'll go on. We do a lot of hiking or biking. That's awesome. So. It's, it's already pretty cold there too, huh? Idaho. Oh, yeah. yes. It's freezing. Yeah. I saw you all <laughs> so bundled cool. up in your garage the other day. So I've been effectively yeah. stalking you on, on Instagram. So <laughs> it's good stuff. I am not a fan. We're already in the 30s. Oh man. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You can come visit me in Houston anytime you want. It's nice and toasty here. <laughs> I'm taking you up. on. <laughs> all right. So getting a little bit back to like you're traveling and competing last uh, this year, actually, you got to compete on the international uh, circuit for the first time for Team USA, correct? For uh, on the open circuit, right? Yeah. And Italy, I think. How did that go? What was that like? So my first actual Team USA international open competition was October 2019. It was, but it was local. It was in San Diego. So while it was an international competition, you know, China and all those people were there. I didn't fly. (laughs) And so it was my first international competition on international soil. And 
it was almost the same experience I had with New Zealand, my first master's world championship. I was just trying to soak it all in. It was something that I never thought was possible, but yet here I was. COVID was not a thing yet. So that wasn't in our minds. Like we totally were just, although we do believe that I did get COVID because I was super sick when I competed, super sick. I couldn't breathe. I had a fever. It was awful. But again, we didn't. it sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know what COVID was. I just thought, you know, I had a cold or something super yucky, but it was just to see those people that you see on social media and on TV competing next to you. It's, it's just crazy. It's so crazy. But then also to realize we're all just humans and we're all just lifting weights. So I don't know. It was just such a really, really cool opportunity. Uh, my sister and my husband got to come with me. And so we, we traveled. And so I personally love that weightlifting has given me opportunity to see the world as well as meet people around the world that I would not get outside of the sport. Oh, I love that. Well, and, and I'm, I'm kind of assuming here that COVID, other than like competitions, probably didn't affect your training much as you've been doing it out of your, your home for a while, other than you're like, you're not allowed to go out to many places, but, <laughs> but, but competition wise, obviously that changed a lot. And I, was your eye already on Tokyo or is this like a new thing or is that not even a goal for you? Or what's, what are your, I guess where, yeah, where are your sights set and did that change with, with the pandemic? Yeah. So Tokyo, I didn't have enough qualifying meets to qualify for Tokyo. So I'm ranked at the time. So I'm not ranked that now. I'm I'm higher now. But at the time before COVID, I was ranked fifth in my weight class. And they take, well, this is interesting about weightlifting. You could be number one in your weight class and still not go. Oh, really? And so, yeah, it is such a mess. There's 10 weight classes per gender and they only take four. So even though you're the best, doesn't mean you get to go. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually really, really hard to make the Olympics as a weightlifter. As it is today, there's crazy, crazy stuff going on. We're honestly still trying to keep weightlifting as a sport in the Olympics. And so we don't know even what 2024 will look like. But honestly, for me, I turn 40 next year. I have kids that are growing. I'm getting the most out of this sport while I can while I still have the passion. It is a ton, as you know, I'm preaching to the choir, <laughs> a ton of um, sacrifice, not just mine, but more so the family. And it has to be right for all of us in order to continue to pursue the goal at this level. So 2020, well, 2020 is not happening for me, Okay, um, which is the new 2021. Yeah. Like I said, we're just taking it as it comes. And for me, my biggest goal right now is to compete on the international platform for Team USA at the highest level that will get me that, well, that will keep me in that position if that opportunity is the one that I choose to pursue. That's cool. So is there, I mean, a chance at that next year? Or that is just, like you said, are already out of the picture and it would be in the years to come. Tokyo, yeah, Tokyo 20. 2021 is out. That's not okay. something that I'm qualified for. Okay, but, nope. but competitions but. next year could help beyond that? Yes. Yes. So for 2021 competing to make the Pan Am team, the gold one. Okay, cool. So 
going forward, like how can we kind of root you on and cheer for you uh, coming up for Pan Ams, for whatever's coming up? Like, I guess what's the best way we can support you or follow you or yeah, how can we cheer you on and be part of your journey? <laughs> this w- wild circus? Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> I love your wild circus. <laughs> as you know, honestly, like I love to share my circus on Instagram. And so I'm over there at K, K underscore Mighty. And yeah, that's where I'm mainly at. And then I do like to share, like my passion is time. And so I do like to share tips and training coaching on how to balance that. I am a firm believer that you need to make time for yourself because if you give everything to everyone outside of you, it, you, it just sucks. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And so I do like to share a lot of my journey of how I, I juggle, juggle that. And she does, you guys. I mean, she posts hilarious reels. Um, She's so funny and she's so witty and there's a lot of mom humor, but just really relatable stuff about body image too. And you're so... you just Every time I see your stuff, I just smile and I'm encouraged. And yes, go follow her, (laughs) K-Mighty. And I really thought I was going to call you K-Mighty because every time I see you pop up, I see (laughs) K-Mighty. So I was like, I'm going to be calling her K-Mighty, which is like the coolest name ever. So I love it. Yeah. A lot of people call me that. Uh, yeah. Well, Christy, thank you so much for coming on for just dropping a lot of truth bombs and inspiring us and showing us that like life is not over when we become a mom or when we hit a certain age, like it can be a brand new beginning and the, the future is ours if we want to go after it. And thank you for, for showing us that. Yes. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.